All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on The Change Artist, where we bring our listeners stories and great advice for leading and following through change from business leaders who are making a difference in their organizations. Here on The Change Artist, our motto is, if change is the only constant in life, then let's do it better. So let's jump right in. Emily, what is your top piece of advice for leading through change? Change is neutral. So keeping that as your mindset going in will help you in a whole bunch of different situations. So change in and of itself is a neutral event. People often slap a negative label on that, but really change can be a good thing. It can be a a bad thing. It can be just something different that you didn't expect. So stay open-minded and look for the opportunities that change brings you. I love that. Now, for those of you who don't know her, Emily Sander is the founder of Next Level Coaching, where she guides executives toward new perspectives that enable them to adapt and evolve as leaders. She's also the author of the book, Hacking Executive Leadership, which I encourage all of you to go find on Amazon. It's a great read. So Emily, I want to get back to your advice and dig in a little bit. So talk to me about this neutral change, because I think at least my first impression when I hear about change, I assign a positive or a neutral to that change based on what I perceive to be the outcome for me personally. Talk me through how I go about managing my mindset so that I can start to actually experience change as neutral. First of all, good on you for going to a positive or neutral right away. That's, that's rare and that's awesome. I think for most people and most humans, uncertainty and unknown can be rattling or be seen as a negative. So that's just, that's the, that's a normal thing. So if that's your initial reaction to change today, you're in good company. And I would just take inventory of what your default reaction is. So for anyone listening, you know, if you get an unexpected change or news, you know, ask yourself, what, what do I normally do in that situation? Do I automatically slap a positive or neutral label on it? Or do I automatically go to the worst case scenario? And I think that you're right. A lot of people project, oh, what does this mean for me, right? Because it's all about me. What does this mean for me? And they have to guess. So if you don't know, your mind is going to try to help you and it's going to guess an outcome and put a label on that based on its perception. So the first thing is be self-aware and know your default reaction to change today. And then ask yourself, okay, how is that, how is that serving me? Is that serving me well? Or, ooh, maybe that's not the best approach to take. Do I want to switch that out or swap it for something else? Makes sense. And so as a leader, I think we have the power to help shape the cultures on our teams, the cultures within our organizations. What would your advice be if I'm a leader trying to figure out how to encourage my, my team to think about change in a neutral way? Sure. So as a leader, you can design the culture. And I think that's the biggest thing. So if we're talking about the soil for when change is going to come about or be planted, you can do a lot of work up front. And so designing your culture can be, I want to make sure that one, everyone is informed. So people don't do well when they feel blindsided, like that feels bad, right? So just being informed, being transparent with your people, obviously don't don't disclose confidential information or anything you can't, but if you can share something helpful and relevant to them, do so. Also involve them in the decision-making process and the conversation around, you know, what's going to change, who's going to change, when, when is that going to happen? And those types of conversations. If people can feel like 
they're part of that decision, part of that conversation, can voice dissenting opinions even, that helps them accept the change if and when it's made. Even if and especially if the decision goes against what they wanted or, hey, you know, I, I voiced this opinion, but we went this direction. And that's okay because I was part of this decision-making process. I know why this is happening. I know the motivation behind it. I know the thought process behind it. Hopefully I respect the leader who's making this decision and respect the team. And now I can say, okay, I had my say, we're going this direction, I'm bought in, and now it's my job to do the best I can. So to execute that change in my area of the business to the best of my ability. So how do we structure that involvement, right? When we're trying to involve people, there are places where people's feedback is helpful. There are places and aspects of the change where their feedback is relevant and we can incorporate it. And there are aspects of the change where people don't have decision rights. And those separations, those different categories of, of, or elements of the change, oftentimes when people provide feedback, they're not looking to provide feedback only where they have power. They're looking to provide feedback across sort of 360 degrees of the change. And so how do we think about involving people in decision-making when actually they don't have a ton of power to influence the outcomes? Yeah, it reminds me of a, a meeting I was in where we had a very vocal team member and he had opinions on a whole bunch of different things and they were all outside of his area of you know decisioning and so it was like hey that's great that's not your call is what was going on in my head that's not your call but yet as a leader and as someone who's facilitating that conversation sometimes just letting someone voice their opinion even if you know that that's not going to do anything to change the, the outcome or ultimate result sometimes just letting them speak and talk and sometimes they know it too to be honest, sometimes they know like, hey, I'm, I'm saying this, you know, against the brick wall sometimes, but I just want my voice heard and I just want it on the record and I want everyone to hear me say it. And that's what helps them. And so, hey, if that's what helps you and it doesn't cost me anything per se, besides giving you a few minutes to express your opinion, then creating that space and holding that space as a leader is your job. And so sometimes it's nothing more than that. And then obviously if you go into, hey, you know, this group of people, it directly impacts them. I would like their opinion on something, bringing them into the conversation as early as possible, and then really listening to what they have to say. If they're closer to how that's going to impact a customer or how that's going to impact their team day to day, you need to listen to that. And I need to be open to changing my mind and maybe changing a decision, maybe not the overall ultimate decision, but, oh, I didn't, I didn't think of that. Let me roll it out in this way instead of what I originally intended. Yeah, I love that. And so as we think about then the decisions around crafting change, you know, you've got a model of three circles framework in your book. Talk to me a little bit about that three circles framework and how it helps with decision-making and how we might think about that framework as we're making decisions and crafting a future state for which we need to change. Absolutely. So three circles is a framework, as you said, helps with on the spot, real time decisions, and then longer term decision making. In the book, I have a little graph, but for your listeners, it's in a math equation, but it's a simple one. Circle one plus circle two equals circle three. And in circle one is an external event. And so something kind of drops in your lap. Seems like, okay, this thing has come up. And let's just say, uh, the example I like to use is you had a team meeting and maybe someone blows up and starts yelling and shouting and derailing the team meeting. That's the event in circle one. And then you actually go all the way to circle three, 
and you say, what is my favorable outcome? What do I want to have happen here? And so you have to quickly define that. And in this example, it might be, okay, I want to calm everyone down. I want to maybe acknowledge what this person is saying, pull out the kernels of truth and acknowledge those, and then get the meeting back on track. So then you do a quick reverse engineer to circle two and say, okay, as a leader, what do I need to say? What do I need to do? How do I need to show up? And sometimes it's, what do I need to not say? What do I need to not do? And how do I not need to show up in order to give myself the highest likelihood to get to circle three? And so you can do that in an instant, like, okay, this just happened. Let me just do a quick check. Got it. So it might be saying something like, hey, you know, Joe, I hear that you're really frustrated. I hear you're really upset. That is a really important item. I know we have that on the agenda. Uh, we have to talk about where the budget for that would come from. And I really want to talk about that as a group when we get to it. And just something like that to acknowledge it and then bring it back online. So that's a kind of a real-time example. And then, of course, you can use three circles as a larger framework and say, okay, if I have a big decision that might be weeks or months long and I, I have this event or maybe I have this goal that I want to get to, how do I reverse engineer that into perhaps milestones? And circle two becomes this kind of map uh, that you can use to get to to circle three. And tell me if I'm thinking about this correctly, right? We may have, for example, an external event, meaning changes in the marketplace that require us to change the way we do business. Our circle three, our desired outcome could be sort of where we want to, where, how we want to play in this marketplace. And circle two would be then how, what changes we need to make internally to be able to get there. Any guidance for how to think through articulating really effectively your desired outcome? What are the things you need to make sure you define? How do you need to make sure you communicate that desired outcome so that everybody feels like they're on board and we understand where we're going? I love that question. So one question I ask my clients in coaching is, does your team know the business's objective? Does the team know what you're trying to do? So if I went to them right now and asked them individually, how does what they do day-to-day -day serve the team and serve the company? What answer am I going to get? And is it going to be the same? Is it going to be consistent? Or am I going to get five different answers? And I usually get the, oh, oh, I should probably make that more clear. So everyone on your team should be able to say with some consistency, hey, this is what our department does. This is what our business unit does and how it helps the company be successful. And literally break that down into what I do day to day serves my team like this and it rolls up. It just keeps going up. There's a term called commander's intent, which is a military term. And it's meant for in, in battle. If a commander officer gets killed or wounded or incapacitated, communication lines get cut, do the other soldiers know what he or she was intending to do so they can make their decisions and carry forward? Take that principle into the business world. Does your team know the commander's intent? Does the team know what you're trying to do? So I think setting that vision um, is very important. And your question reminded me of COVID, actually, where people's objectives changed dramatically on a dime. And so, hey, I have a successful restaurant, let's say, and now, you know, my job is to just try to keep this thing afloat and just try to keep people employed or maybe switch my business model to carry out or to go orders, um, something like that. So when those market shifts happen or when those unexpected 
changes and objective happen, make sure everyone knows that. So even if it's happening quickly, make sure you can articulate that to yourself or your board or constituents or whoever, and make sure that your leadership team can articulate that as well. And then as you're articulating sort of the new mission or the new direction, even if people understood how they played into the old mission, perhaps the objective of the department is changing. Perhaps the objective of their role is changing. How do you help people sort of reconnect with this commander's intent as they think about and and reframe how they now play into and and contribute to that that changing goal or that changing mission? Right. So your role could change. And I think we've all seen that. We have to be flexible and adaptable with what we're doing. So if you are brought in for something specific and, oh my goodness, we had a global pandemic, every company, every department, every person is having to realign themselves, being open to that and saying, okay, how can I best serve my team now? If there's a drastic change where you're like, this is no longer aligned with my values, or this is no longer going to work for me for some you know, very practical reason, you might have a decision then to go seek out another opportunity. But oftentimes it is, okay, I understand what happened. You know, we had a we had a global pandemic. I understand what my boss is trying to do. He's trying to keep the restaurant afloat and he's trying to keep everyone employed. So I might need to go do this slightly other role and have these other day-to-day tasks. That's okay because I understand what's happening and I now understand my new role. And if it changes back again, then great. I'll I'll go back to doing what I was originally brought in to do. So I think you're right, aligning the overall vision, but then perhaps sitting down with people individually and talking through like, hey, how are you feeling about this? What things are you liking about your job? What things are you not liking about your role? And really talking to them about what it means for them. And so you can, it's a two-way street, obviously. You can kind of tell them like, hey, here's how I see your new role, but also ask like, how are you feeling about your new responsibilities and how everything is is shaking out for you? And really listen, because if you're like, everyone should be fine and everyone's not fine and they're panicking and freaking out and having these conversations or thoughts behind your back or without you knowing, it's important for you to hear that and understand that. Have you seen examples of this done really well in your professional and coaching experience? Yes, I have examples of good and, uh, good and bad. So uh, again, during, during COVID, I was really impressed with a lot of leaders who got up in front of their companies and said, I don't know. So we talk about what's the vision and what's the objective in in the throes of COVID and in the throes of all these regulations are shifting and we don't know the vaccine status and all these things. When it first started, they didn't know, but yet they got up in front of people and said, you know, we're obviously seeing these changes. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Here's the factors we're looking at. Here's the information we're looking at. And here's how we're trying to make our decisions. We really need information up from your departments and your folks on the front line, so to speak. So please pass that up. And it was just a dialogue. It was just an open line of communication. But I was really impressed with people who got up in front of company-wide meetings and said, I am your CEO, I'm your leader, and I don't know, but I'm standing up here. I'll take any questions you have. I'm going to try to explain what I do know. And I'm also going to tell you when I'm going to check in next. So I'm going to talk to you next Thursday at 3 p.m. So everyone was like, okay, I kind of have broad strokes about how this is being thought about. And I know when I'm going to get my next update. So that was a really positive and uh, good example of how to set the vision or set the communication cadence, even if you don't, even if you don't know. 
And so again, I mean, we keep coming back to communication being so critical in aligning people around change, collecting feedback, so setting the groundwork for successful change. How can someone improve their communication and interaction skills? Like what advice do you have around really getting good at the communication side of this? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. One, listen, and that sounds trite, but literally that's half of the conversation and a lot of leaders and a lot of people just miss that boat. I would posit the vast majority of people when they're speaking, they are thinking of their answer. They're thinking of what they're about to say. Sometimes they already have their position entrenched and they're going to dig their heels in no matter what. So I would really take inventory if you're listening. Hey, when I'm in a conversation, especially if I have a strong opinion or I think I have all the information or I think, you know, I I know that I'm right. How open-minded are you being? Are you actually having a conversation with someone or are you just trying to tick the box and say like, yeah, I I spoke with Alyssa. Yeah, we're, we're good. So that's the first thing. And then the second piece is a lot of people assume that everyone communicates the way they do and they want to be communicated in the way that they do. And there's 7 billion people on the planet. So that's just a false expectation. Being self-aware and understanding how you like to receive and give information. That's half the equation. And then really taking the time and being curious to say, how would this individual or how would this group of people receive this information best. So, you know, individual example is I like information kind of short and sweet in bullet points, like give me that the highlights, give me the hits. And then if I want more information, I'll ask for it. Give it to me straight up. Some people like the, I want to see the source material and I want to see the spreadsheet and I want to see the color codes and I want to question you about every little thing. And so that's what makes them feel comfortable and safe and good with the conversation and information they're receiving. So that's just one quick example, but you can extrapolate that to, okay, just how do I receive information? How do I like giving information? But more importantly, is the person I'm trying to influence or calm down or reassure or whatever, how is information going to land with them best and take that into account. Yeah. I like that. The idea of not confusing communication with broadcasting. Mm. Broadcasting is only a part of communication and it's absolutely a give and take. Now, if you're on the listener side, you know, a lot of us are leading change in our lives and at work, but there's a lot of change going on that we're not leading. Sometimes that change is being driven and we are in the role of follower. What advice do you have for our listeners on following effectively through change. Don't double stack yourself against yourself. And what I mean by that is don't double stack the, okay, this change has happened. Maybe I didn't know about it. Maybe I'm not necessarily in favor of it with the resistance. So there might be the event and the decision and the change in and of itself, but you can add the, nope, I'm neutral. I'm going to see how this unfolds. I'm going to be open-minded. I'm going to look for opportunities. Or like, I hate this. This is horrible. I'm going to fight this tooth and nail. I'm going to create friction within myself and with other people around this issue. You can take the first part and say, okay, that is what it is. But then it's up to you to add that second layer. Are you going to add that second layer of resistance for yourself or not? It's often unnecessary weight and friction. The more favorable approach I would suggest is being open and curious. And one thing we were taught as coaches is to go into a coaching engagement with energetic curiosity. And I love that phrase. And I still remind myself of that today. And that was a way of reminding ourselves not to be judgmental. So we're not going to apply our judgment on a client or a situation. 
we're going to go in with energetic curiosity. And I think that still, I think that carries over to navigating change as well. So you can slap a label or a judgment on that, or you can go in with energetic curiosity. And when you see people do this well, what is the impact that you see then on the broader team? Decisions are better. Interactions are better. They're just doing better. If you think of someone who's clenched up and tense and anxious and stressed out, and you're interacting with that person, that's one type of interaction. And we've probably all had that. And you can think about the contrast, which is someone who's like, nope, I'm open, I'm flexible, I'm looking for the different things that are going to pop up and how I can be of service and how I can help my team members. Much different, much different scenarios, much different interactions, but feels different. So when I walk into a new company or a new team, you know, pre-COVID, literally I could walk into a room and feel the palpable energy. And sometimes people were scared. I was like, oh, this culture... This is not great because people literally have their heads down. They're doing their work, trying not to get their head chopped off, but it was a very cutthroat environment. And I could tell you that just from walking in. Conversely, I walked in and the people were smiling and throwing stuff over the cubicles and having a, having a joke and helping each other and saying, hey, if this is where you find this in, you know, in our uh, workspace, da, 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 da. that's just a much different energy. And so it's palpable and you can tell how people are feeling and how people are processing and responding to that just by their countenance and just by their tone of voice and their facial expressions and, and body language. Absolutely. I know that when I've worked with clients and you find people who are particularly vocal and resistant to change or resistant to your message, that the attitude that they bring gets amplified across the team. You can trigger negativity in others. And when you've got somebody that is positive and that is engaged and brings that energetic curiosity, it encourages others and creates a safe space for others to participate in that way. Even if that wasn't, they're going in perspective. It creates a space where it's okay to try that persona out. I love that. And I would say, especially for leaders, don't underestimate how much people take their cues from you. They are looking to you for the tone. Like, how does she feel about that? Because if she feels okay, then I'm going to feel okay. But if I see she's a little rattled, a little scared, then I'm going to take that as well. And again, we've all been in that group. Even if you're not the leader, we've been in a group where no one's saying anything, but if someone says, Hey guys, like, I think this is going to be okay. Or, Hey, I think we could actually approach it this way. Everyone's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's a thing we could do. And if they get on board with that. So be that person who is setting the tone. Don't be the thermometer, be the thermostat or the one who controls the temperature. So you can set the tone. Well, thank you, Emily. I know I've learned a lot today. I'm sure our listeners have as well. Now, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how should they go about doing that? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. And if people want to connect, the best way is my website. It's nextlevel.coach. That's nextlevel, all one word, dot coach. And you can find some information there. As you mentioned, we talked about some of the principles and frameworks in my book, but you feel free to do the full deep dive with Hacking Executive Leadership, and that's on Amazon and Audible and Kindle and all of those good things. We will be sure to include that information in the show notes. So anybody that's interested can absolutely reach out to you. Thank you again, Emily. This has been a great conversation. Hopefully our listeners can take your advice and apply it to changes and transitions in their own organization. If you'd like to continue the conversation on change management and driving connection through moments of transition, you can visit us at blueswiftconsulting.com. Thank you again, Emily. It's been great.